Hello, and welcome to CAA Conversations. Today I'm with Stephanie Schwartz, an Associate Professor in History of Art at University College London, and Jorge Ribalta, an independent curator and photographer living and working in Barcelona. In this conversation, the pair discuss Schwartz's new book, Walker Evans, No Politics, the first book to take seriously Evans's refusal to act or work politically. Walker Evans offers a sweeping reassessment of the American documentary and its histories, opening with a discussion of Evans's place in the canon, as well as Schwartz's effort to problematize canonical histories of documentary. The podcast covers a range of topics from the publication of Evans's short but punchy review of photographic books, his 1931 essay, The Reappearance of Photography, to the 1971 retrospective exhibition of his work at the Museum of Modern Art. At the center of this conversation is a debate about Evans' legacy, about how and why it needs to be reimagined today. Welcome, Stephanie and Jorge. Hi, this is Stephanie Schwartz. I've invited Jorge to speak with me about my new book, Walker Evans, No Politics, which was published by University of Texas Press this June, or June 2020. Jorge and I have been in conversation before. In 2012, we spoke in the context of his groundbreaking exhibition on worker photography, A Hard Merciless Light, The Worker Photography Movement, 1926, to 1939, which was on view at the Reina Sofia in Madrid in 2011. The interview can be found in PhotoWorks 18. In 2015, Jorge completed a second major exhibition on documentary and worker photography entitled Not Yet on the Reinvention of Documentary and the Critique of Modernism, also for the Reina Sofia, which considered the rediscovery of worker photography in the 1970s, as well as the broader critiques of modernism that had emerged in the wake of the Cold War. My book attends to the calls for the reinvention of documentary as it was first stated by Alan Sekula in his 1978 manifesto, Dismantling Modernism, Reinventing Documentary, Notes on the Politics of Representation. I insist that Evans's work from the 1930s and 40s help us to make sense of that call and our conversation today will consider how and why. So I'll get to hand it over to Jorge. Hi, well, my first question may sound like a provocation. So is this really a book about Walker Evans? Isn't it rather about a larger discussion on the politics of photographic historiography concerning narratives on the genealogy of documentary? If that's your purpose, is it not a kind of iconoclasm on your side to use such a canonical figure as Evans as a mere case study? Is there a way to problematize and denaturalize canonical histories of photography and their myths? Okay, uh, yeah. <laughs> in many ways, um, it is. I, I mean, I think you're correct in many ways, although I hadn't really thought about using the word iconoclasm in that context, but I can see um, how that makes sense. Um, and it is, a, it, it is provocative, which I was, you know, which I, I, I'm hoping is provocative in a certain kind of way. But yeah, one of my goals in writing the book was certainly to kind of defamiliarize Evans or the Evans that we inherited or the one that I think has been handed down to us since the 1980s, I would say, and we can talk about why that date. Um, but I, or I should say American documentary in specific, in particular, um, that was handed down to us as a kind of modernism's bad object in a certain kind of way. So, and I think, you know, many of us are probably familiar with that narrative or that tale that has kind of been told uh, around the 
kind of reception of a kind of radicalization of documentary in the 1970s with the work and writing of Martha Rossler and Alan Sekula. Um, we were often told, or the way I was taught about the histories of documentary was that it was voyeuristic and liberal and the work of the state and that the 70s somehow overcame those kind of bad politics of the 1930s documentary or the word that was often used to kind of discuss it was the one that was appropriated from Rossler's 1981 essay that documentary was somehow inadequate. Although we now, I think there's been much work done to suggest that that was not what Rossler intended with that, that term. But nonetheless, those were the kind of received histories that I was trying to um, push back against and you know defamiliarize those histories of documentary. And for me, those histories made very little sense for two reasons. Um, one, I don't think that's what Sekula and his contemporaries were arguing about documentary. I think that was a very productive misreading within the histories of postmodernism that allowed us to set up this kind of trajectory in which there's a kind of radicalization of documentary in the 70s and a kind of triumph. And then the 30s is seen as somehow a kind of bad object within that kind of history. And I don't think that that's necessarily what, or as I write in the book, in the introduction, I don't necessarily think that that's what the way we should read those histories, or that's not what I think um, Sekula was writing about in 78 or Rossler in 1981 in her essay on um, documentary. But I also felt that the second point would be, I also felt that those histories reduced documentary to a kind of dichotomy between good and bad politics. And so that was something I really wanted to push back against as well. Where Evans comes into this and why, although it might not be a book about Evans in particular, and is a book about grappling with these kinds of histories of documentary that we've been handed down to us and, and suggesting that actually we don't have a kind of robust history of documentary, which is the kind of provocation I make at the beginning of the book, where Evans fits into this is his kind of claim for no politics, which is, of course, you know, that I use in the title of the book. And I was really committed to insisting that we take that claim seriously. And I felt like many scholars writing about Evans didn't. They either said, sure, he has no politics because he says he has no politics. Or more recently, there's been much discussion about how he is political, he's, left, he's a left political photographer, the photographs are political and we have to accept that this is so. And so there's a kind of literalization of the statement or a kind of even, dis, as I said, a kind of disavowal of that kind of statement, you know, not taking it at its, you know, for what it says. And so one of the things that I was trying to do was actually give that statement a kind of history or suggest that what he was doing with that statement was actually trying to historicize the very nature of what a document is, what photography is, by kind of asking us to think through those histories of photography as a kind of pure record, as something that um, is neutral. You know, he says in that statement from 1935, where he tells us, you know, no politics, whatever, that he's making pure records. And I'm not saying we should take that seriously, but I think it's interesting that he chooses that term and that he's clearly engaging with some of the mythologies that we have about photography. And so for me, instead of just saying those are a myth and moving on, I wanted to engage with why engage the myth? Why, why go back and kind of at, at this moment in the thirties engage with this history of photography's no politics and how can we maybe take it seriously 
at that moment in the 1930s, which is not, as I argue in the book, just a moment that is defined by the depression, which is of course overdetermined the whole reading of Evans's work. But what I'm looking at is a kind of much longer history of Americanization or Americanism um, in which he's, what I argue is that he's tapping into a much more complex kind of rethinking or reconfigurization of the subject at that kind of moment that no politics um, allows us to um, kind of get to or attend to. Uh, so that's, that is where I think the kind of um, two parts of the book meet in a certain way. So yes, it's not necessarily a book about Evans in terms of giving us a new reading of Evans and that's what the, that's what the book is supposed to provide. But it is supposed to defamiliarize Evans by asking us to question our histories of documentary or the histories that we've been kind of handed down. Um, there's another, there's a couple other points that I wanted to make though, in terms of that, that I, you know, that maybe get to the kind of iconoclasm question slightly. Um, but one of the things that I also chose to do in the book was really refuse to write a history of Evans from, say, you know, from the early 30s to the end of his career. I wanted to refuse that kind of chronology. One, because I wanted to kind of refuse this idea that there's a kind of rise, you know, documentary fall, like has, has this high moment and then kind of falls apart and we can see that in his work. Um, but I also just felt that that kind of model of history didn't make much sense with Evans's work because he's someone who was constantly remaking his work or reusing his photographs in all of these different projects. So the Cuba photographs that he made in 1933 also appear in American Photographs and then Let Us Now Praise Famous Men, which is published in 1941, is reissued in 1960, 1960 with 31 new photographs. And so there's not this sense of a kind of development in his work that I think you know, or that we should we should try to suggest that there is one by writing this kind of chronology. And so I was really insistent about organizing the book so that it doesn't run chrono chronologically and that we're moving constantly back and forth between the 60s and the 30s and trying to kind of think those um, histories together. So that was another way to kind of not allow Evans to, you know, the person Evans to be privileged as the life of the artist who sets the terms of the way in which we're writing this history and that documentary is really more um, at the center. So yeah, that's, I mean, there's more I could say about that, but I don't know if you want to come back <laughs> in here. Well, maybe, yeah. Also, I think uh, maybe another provocation is uh, ending with Sicola. Uh, why, why doing that? Because I'm asking you this because the genealogy you trace between Evans and Sicola is, is probably pretty counterintuitive in terms of, of histories of photographic modernism in the sense that the, the rise of the 1970s uh, reinvention of documentary was championed by Sekula is precisely an attack on modernist myths, including Evans. So how does the coda in your book reframe the whole book? Um, so in a way, is this coda also a beginning in the sense of, of the book as an attempt to read Evans after Sekula? Um, and following this Sekula-Evans dialectics, do you see any parallel between Evans' uh, reappearance of photography discourse and Sekula's reinvention of documentary? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, so this question really does follow on because it, I think it's a continuation of kind of the methodology of the book and how I'm trying to, you know, do two things at once, which is kind of think about Walker Evans, but also think about kind of histories of documentary. And yeah, the ending has been, was, you know, is surprising for many people. So just to, for those who might not have read the book, I end by, um, the code is called Remakes, and I go back and look at, or not go back, but I, I kind of end with um, Alan Sekula's um, kind of remaking of some of Evans's work, specifically some of the photographs from Let Us Now Praise Famous Men, which you see consciously being remade in aerospace folktales. And Sekula talks about how he wanted to, um, he was consciously remaking them as he was looking at the photo books from the 1930s and trying to really think about the fact that the memories of that he said he refers to it as kind of the uneasy memories of the 1930s they're no longer uneasy in a certain kind of way and so he wanted to um think through that what what was happening there um so yeah for many people that's a surprising ending because you would think i would just continue and end with evans and i do end in a way with his revisiting the alabama that hell county in the early 1970s with the polaroid camera but I did want to end there, or, and I guess I should say, you know, one response that I got from a reader was, you know, why would you end there? Because it's as if you're bringing in a totally new photographer into the end of a, a book about Walker Evans. And I said, well, no, that's not what I'm doing at all. What I'm actually doing is trying to kind of suggest, I'm still talking about Evans and I'm suggesting that we need to do that through the work of Alan Sekula. And I was fortunate enough to have an editor, you know, who was who allowed me to kind of take this risk in a certain kind of way, because I, I know that I knew that it was a, you know, it wouldn't necessarily sit well. But yeah, for me, this was the only way to end the book, because it was part of my commitment to not um, have this idea of a kind of rise and fall that the 30s and the, and the 70s need to kind of be separated and there's a kind of rupture between them. But it was also part of my insistence that we need to think we need to maybe revisit Sekula's 1978 text as less being a kind of attack on documentary than an investigation of how documentary was being historicized or the failure to actually historicize it. Um, so it was a way for me to really go full circle to, to actually come back to the beginning of the book and kind of shore up some of the claims or some of the arguments that I was making in the introduction and think through the ways in which I wanted to kind of challenge this idea that what we're seeing um in the 70s as a kind of you know full-scale attack on the 30s but actually what Sekula was trying to get us to see was that you know the ways in which we inherited the 30s in the 60s is what needed to be kind of a rethought and then we could not you know then we could maybe think about what the 30s was in a, in a kind of different light and that is part of his project the other reason why I wanted to do this and this is I say this in the introduction but I think I don't know how you know clear it, or how emphatic it was is that I really wanted to push back against also this idea that we could somehow kind of recover the 30s from the 70s and I think that was also a one of so if there's a misreading of if I'm arguing that there was a misreading of Sekula's essay through kind of postmodernism I also think one of the responses to that was that you know Sekula got it wrong and we need to go back and kind of rescue the 30s in a certain kind of way but I think actually what Sekula and his kind of contemporaries taught us was that, you know, that's, you know, not the way history works, that we 
you know, they were picking up from some of the writing of Walter Benjamin, or at least Sekula was in particular, and trying to get us to kind of think about how we have to think the present, the past in relation to the present and um, how the present kind of allows us to see the past. And so for me, there was no way in which I could actually see Walker Evans without seeing it in conversation with Sekula. That was just the way I learned the history of photography in a certain kind of way. And I didn't want to pretend that that wasn't the case. Um, but I also think that this is really an important way to respond to some of a kind of a, a new kind of obsession now with the documentary um, that we're seeing today and how we, you know, what other ways can we look at the, the 30s without necessarily, you know, in, in new ways based on our kind of present moment. And so I'm kind of interested in, in, in that kind of gambit as well of, um, you know, not of, of kind of, you know, re-seeing the 30s in relation to kind of where we are now. And I think that's something that Sekula kind of allows us to see. So yeah, that's part of that. It's part of the kind of larger methodological kind of framework of the book that I was trying to set up is that, you know, not to have this kind of split between the thirties and the seventies. And I guess the, the final point, the, the final question you asked about the relationship between, or is there a kind of re relationship between um, the, between reappearance and reinvention Yes, I mean, so again, in 1931, Evans writes this text called The Reappearance of Photography, which is actually a review of several new photographic books that um, came out at that in, well, you know, in, in between say 28 and 31, um, and which is published in, in Lincoln Kristen's Hound and Horn, and in which he discusses this idea of a kind of reinvention of photography in the 1930s. Um, in which he's, or I argue that he's trying to write a history of photography similar to the one Benjamin was doing at that exact same time. And which he's asking us to think about, um, there was a, you know, that there was this kind of moment of its invention. And then there was this kind of stagnant middle period where photography became kind of entrapped in questions about artistic practice and pictorialism. Um, he doesn't necessarily name Stieglitz, but I argue that that's the one of the people behind his kind of critique. And then there's this reappearance of photography in the 1930s. And I never really thought, I mean, I know Sekula knows that text and knew that text. He wrote about it in a, he has this essay about Walker Evans and the police that was published in that book on Dan Graham and Walker Evans. And um, I don't think he takes up, you know, his word reinvention in relation to reappearance, but I think there's a similar, desire there to not think about history operating as a kind of linear, linear trajectory and this kind of this need to think about reinventing or reappearing and the kind of coming back of things or a kind of, um, you know, a model of that, that kind of model of history. Um, and I think it's important because it does again push back against these kind of, you know, triumphant readings of a kind of 70s moment. But I also think that it's important to pay attention to that word that Sekul used. I don't know how many people investigate, like why reinvention, where does that term come from? Um, I think it's important that he's thinking about inventions, that he think he's thinking about um, the invention story that I was thinking about in relation to Evans's claim for no politics about this kind of, those early mythologies about photography. And, 
you know, I can't help but think he was thinking about this when he wrote the invention of photographic meaning in 1975, which is a couple years earlier than, you know, the reinvention essay. And so I think there is something to the choice of that word in relation to the types of, you know, whether it was a conscious kind of return to Evans, I don't, I don't know, but I think it, there's an interest there in, I think it's important to kind of pay attention that he's using the word invention and reinvention at that moment in relation to some of those um, ideas about history that were emerging in the 1930s, whether it's through Evans or Benjamin or you know a whole host of other people writing at that time. So yeah, I think that's that would be my my response to that. Yeah, one last uh, question dealing with uh, these dialectics between Evans and Sekula, and, and I, I'm maybe insisting a little bit in this in these dialectics because I think one of the yeah most important contributions uh, in your book is precisely to problematize the sort of hyper codified antagonism between pre-war modernism and 70s 80s uh, debates label post as postmodernism I mean uh, a label that obviously I, I I don't like at all so right uh, and I think that that cho that choice of not not using post or neo or like a re that re invention is you know I have this kind of fight with Ma with Martha Rossler about this recently about the, that I would never want to use the word post and she said oh but I wrote this essay on post documentary and we talked about how that word has certain currencies at certain moments but you know what it would what it would have meant to use that in the in in 1978 is very different than say Rossler using it in that second version of you know a second kind of essay I think in the 90s and so it's interesting also how these words take on these different um balances mm -hmm. at certain moments but I think his insistence on re is is important to um, recognize in, in, in that right. sense. So yeah, my, my, my question was about Edward Steichen. What what where, where does Steichen sit in your history? Uh, what what does it mean in a way that he was a counterfigure for both Evans and and Sekula? Um, uh, probably for many, for different, totally different reasons, but but that's the case. I mean, he's in a way the the enemy for both. What does it mean? Um, yeah, I had never really thought about it in these terms. I mean, I, I hadn't really thought about it in these terms of a kind of counterfigure for both of them. But actually, as I write, you know, that's what I wrote. So I guess <laughs> I should kind of come to terms with it. So yeah, just again to just kind of fill in some of this. So in that in the reappearance of photography essay from 1931, Evans um, takes uh, account of one book from 1929 called Steichen the Photographer, which is a kind of collection of portraits that Steichen made as well as advertising photographs that he was making at this kind of you know, high moment of his career in the, in the mid, uh, in the 20s and you know, in the, in, in, in the 1920s. And this, it's this very kind of luxurious volume in comparison to the other volumes that he was reviewing in that book, like um, August Sanders, Face of Our Time, you know, Faces of Our Time and um, The Photo Eye and Eugene Ache's 1930 publication. Um, and so he's very critical of Steichen's publication, of that publication um, for what he sees as, you know, Steichen really, you know, he has this great line about how kind of with Steichen, you know, photography is off its track. It's like, it's gone off the rails in terms of its potential for this moment of reappearance. 
And obviously, Sekula's steichen is a slightly different steichen. It's the steichen of 1955, or the steichen that emerges out of the Museum of Modern Art in, as he, you know, Sekula expresses it most clearly in his 1981 essay, The Traffic in Photographs, where he sees Steichen as a kind of third iteration in his model of a kind of pandering to the myth of the universal image. So he starts with Daguerre and he interestingly takes up Zander in that context and then moves to kind of Steichen. So in many ways, I thought these are very different Steichens, which is interesting because Steichen is one of these figures that has, is allowed to have these multiple moments, you know, he has all these, he has all these different personalities or identities within the history of photography. And in many ways, Evans wasn't allowed that. He had to be this kind of moment, this kind of documentary photographer of the 1930s and the other stuff we're not gonna, you know, when he goes to fortune, we might not really look at that, that's something else. So I think that is interesting about Steichen. But then I was thinking about it more and um, there is a kind of link, weirdly the link between 20, the 29 book and 1955 exhibition is that, the prologues or introductions to both of them were written by Carl Sandberg, who is, I think, Steichen's brother-in-law, um, in which, um, you know, he sets up this, uh, in the 29 book, he sets up this idea of Steichen as this genius artist with a magical hand, all the things that Evans would have found kind of deplorable. Um, and then in the Family of Man book, he has that great line that Sakula plays with about, um, the exhibition as a multiplication table of living and breathing human faces and which allows Sekula to kind of uh, imagine this as a kind of example of what he calls kind of bourgeois science and he then develops that critique of humanism in relation to that. Um, so I don't know what that does for us, but you know, that I thought, I thought it was interesting that there is a kind of link between those two stikens. Um, but I guess one of the, the real probably important point to mention is not the two Steichens that Sekula and Evans actually are responding to, but actually it's the 1962 exhibition, The Bitter Years, that's, that I talk about in the coda. It's one of the ways in which I tried to kind of think about how Sekula was not just responding to Evans per se, but that he was responding to the way Evans was being presented in the 1960s. So in 1962, for his kind of final exhibition, the following the Family of Man in 1955, he, he hangs a exhibition of FSA photographs in the same kind of style as the Family of Man in terms of blowing them up and putting them on boards and creating this kind of narrative that you would walk through um, the depression in a certain kind of way. And it ends with this amazing massive almost mural-like photograph of these fertile fields. And he sets up this, you know, really lovely story about the triumph of America and how we overcame the depression. And obviously that's a narrative that meant something in the 1960s in terms of the Cold War and the Cuban Missile Crisis and every, you know, what was going on at that kind of moment in the 1960s. And so I wanted to, you know, really drive home this point that Sekula's, you know, it's not about necessarily kind of going back to the 30s and looking at Evans, but it's about looking at Evans in relation to the way in which Evans was being invented in the 19, or the way in which documentary and Evans were being invented in the 1960s. And as we know that that exhibition had a impact on, you know, kind of spurred, one could say, a, a kind of rethinking of documentary in the 60s and into the 70s with 
Stryker's kind of response to it. So Roy Stryker, you know, responded to it in the 1970s, which I think you write about in your introduction to the catalog for Not Yet, about how important it was at that moment that Stryker kind of, you know, found Steichen's story problematic and then put forward his own version. And so all of a sudden in the 60s, you get this, it, you know, going into the 70s, you get this um, attempt to rethink what documentary is. And I think that has to be part of this story that I'm, I'm thinking about. And so I guess in many ways, Steichen is really, although I never really thought about it, is the pivot or bridge that holds all of this together because he, he reminds us that it's actually maybe the 60s that we need to focus on and not the 70s or the 30s, or that we can't do, we can't think, um, the reason why photography would, documentary would need to be reinvented in the 1970s is because of what's happening in the 1960s. And then that allows us to write a kind of different history around the 30s that doesn't sit with the kind of triumphalist American, um, look how strong we are because we overcame the depression in that kind of way. So in, in a weird way, he's the kind of hinge of the whole, the whole thing. Although I never really thought about it in that way. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you what you you know what you think about that. No, yeah, I mean, yeah. Now let's go back to the thirties, maybe. Okay. So, um, particularly nineteen thirty-one. How does nineteen thirty-one become a, a become a pivot in the book and in in the history of documentary? It's in nineteen thirty-one when Evans publishes his reappearance essay which is not only simultaneous to Walter Benjamin's small history of photography, but also to the pivotal moment in the worker photography movement. And thus in, in, in materialist theories of documentary, let's, let's put it that way. It's in, in, in 31 is when Herfel is in Moscow, when the, the Philippov's essay, the, 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 the several essays are published, including Sergei Tretiakov's uh, important text, so I feel uh, Tretiakov uh, could also have played a role in your narrative, particularly in, in the second chapter, uh, you're dealing with portraiture, when you discuss uh, on the Soviet threat, a, a potential Soviet threat uh, through uh, um, Ilya Ehrenburg book on, on, on Paris. Mm, so the question is about uh, 1931 and about mm, the, the other possible connections you could establish around that year yeah um yeah 1931 is obviously you know as i've we've been i've been saying because i keep referring back to the we keep referring back to this essay was you know a really important pivot in the book so the book starts technically in 1933 with the cuba photographs and i make a big point about trying to kind of really re you know bring those into the history of evans and 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 it's also a way to shift and defamiliarize some of the narratives on Evans. But what I quickly found, realized what it's actually really the 31 essay, you know, which is interesting because it's not necessarily a portfolio of his work that is at the center. It's actually the writing that, that Evans did. And so, yeah, that essay, as I've been saying, you know, as we've been saying, it was this sh very short review. It's, you know, maybe it's not even three pages in which he does in a very similar way that to what Benjamin was doing at the same time, although in a much, you know, condensed version is try to think about the emergence of a whole host of new 
kind of formats for the publication of photography, whether Eugene Ache's Photographs of Paris in 1930 or August Sander's Face of Our Time. And so he's looking at exactly those same books that Benjamin is looking at. And so, um, yeah, and it's in that text that he coins this phrase that photography, you know, America is the natural home of photography if photography is thought without its operators. And that was a really key moment for me to tie back to this idea of no politics, that there is no person necessarily, you know, we don't have to find the politics in someone. He's trying to kind of push us to really think about, you know, who's the subject or who's the operator, you know, to think about the idea of an operator, which I think has interesting connotations as well. Um, so that became a kind of really important moment for me. And in, and in many ways, the second chapter of the book or the second part of the book that you're talking about in you know, in not so many ways, it's a very long extended discussion of that essay, which I just go through each book that he investigates as a way to kind of tease out on the one hand, the history that he's writing and on the other hand, how, what I really think the history he's writing about is actually about portraiture. And I try to kind of bring those things together. And so, yeah, I see, I, yeah, I think it, you're, you're bringing together some other, you know, other, um, essays and interventions that happened at that same moment that I do think make sense in that context. I guess on the one hand, I tried to keep it to what Evans was doing, but I think probably what's worth mentioning is this very, um, there's a moment in the book where I make this claim that we could, what, what, what um, Paul Strand is doing in his 1922 essay, Photography and the New God is, is actually somehow should be read in relation to those debates that are taking place in the Soviet Union about portraiture. And that, you know, where Strand makes this claim that, you know, painting has become kind of absurd. I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, quoting him exactly, but also that he makes this claim that Stieglitz teaches us something about the kind of multiplicity of the portrait that you can't just have one. And we see that emerging obviously in those very famous debates that, um, or the famous essays that Rachenko was writing around the synthetic portrait and this kind of refusal for the kind of monumentalization of the individual. So in that way, yes, I think you're right. I probably could have extended, or I, I can see the way in which um, the kind of de debate about worker photography and the photo essay comes into that. But I think it, it does kind of, and, and shores up some of the claims that I'm making about um, the way in which what we see can see Evans doing in that text and in his work as well. And in the larger kind of, one of the ways in which we can again, defamiliarize this kind of project of documentary is to think about what they're doing in relate or what documentary, American documentary at this moment is doing in relation to portraiture. And I guess one of the really, the things that I wanted to do there was try to um, push us again, away from thinking about the representation of the kind of tenant or the worker that is either humanizing or dehumanizing, because I think those are the ways in which we've always, we've kind of inherited that history. Again, this kind of good and bad politics. Um, how do we kind of get out of that kind of problematic or can we kind of get out of this problematic or is American documentary just kind of stuck in this problematic where European documentary doesn't, you know, has managed to get out of it with a kind of radical left politics. And I think one of the reasons why I kind of probably pulled back from moving further into that debate is because 
I guess I didn't want to collapse it into this kind of left politics question. I really wanted to keep it onto the level of form and think about the way in which, again, the way in which we've kind of pigeonholed American documentary and those portraits of, um, you know, people lying on benches or work tenant farmers as this kind of good and bad humanist, you know, it's either you can take a portrait or you can't. And I just think that those, that debate has really got us nowhere because we just, I don't know. I just think again, it's debate that kind of manifests itself around a kind of certain anxiety about voyeurisms in, in the 1980s and with kind of postmodernism, post-structuralism that doesn't really kind of understand the kind of collapse of a, or the kind of emergence of a different kind of understanding of what the public was in, in the 1930s. Does that kind of make sense? I don't know. Yeah, well, maybe, 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 yeah, following that connection would not necessarily imply following uh, conventional left politics. I think you can even read uh, Tretiakov outside from that framework and all the theories of factography uh, beyond the uh, the, the merely ideological uh, perspective, or uh, from, or that, that doesn't necessarily mean to 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 sort of to to frame the discussion into a leftist approach. I think, but yeah. Anyway, I, I understand. Um, um, there's another important year, seems to me, in 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 Evans' kind of. Uh, history, which is 1971, in a way, 1931 and 71 could be seen as retrospectively as, as key years. Um, uh, 71 because of the exhibition at, at MoMA and because of the Leslie Katz uh, interview, which, which in a way is probably the, the, the most important uh, text produced by Evans uh, beside, uh, together with the reappearance essay. So it seems that, uh, yeah, I mean, this year was, uh, yeah, an important moment in the history of documentary that may parallel 1931. So it seems to me that the, the, the Evans MoMA exhibition retrospectively was, could be seen as the trigger for the multiple reinventions of photography going on in the 1970s, both in terms of institutions, practices, and the new narratives about the rise of documentary culture in the 1930s. I mean, it's hard to summarize the many structural transformations that are taking place in the early 70s. But let's, let's just remark that Evans' exhibition is simultaneous to Louis Balt's exhibition at Castelli and to Stephen Shore's uh, exhibition at, at, at the Met. So probably this is uh, significant of, of the many, many things going on at that time. Um, yeah, I think like the Steichen exhibition from 62 and maybe the kind of the reissuing of Let Us Now Praise Famous Men, this is the exhibition that had the most impact on the way we've kind of inherited Evans. Um, and just to go back to kind of where we began in a way, because this question kind of takes us back, is that, you know, in many ways we could say the book is, a, is around that kind of legacy of Evans and what, what Evans leaves us with and how we um, need to kind of think through that. But sure, certainly the 71 exhibition um, at MoMA had a massive impact on the way in which we've inherited Evans. And I think it's important as well because it brings John Sarkowski into the picture, which so, and he interestingly enough is the kind of 
bad guy or the, you know, behind the reinvention essay. It's not Steichen, it's Sarkowski's ex New Documents exhibition in 1967 that Sekula takes issue with and, you know, spends probably more time thinking about Diane Arbus than the other figures, but nonetheless, there's a kind of attempt on Sarkowski to kind of rewrite those histories of documentary in 1967, um, kind of taking it over from a kind of mass mediated history of photography that Steichen had, you know, was trying to give us and bringing it back into questions of formalism or the frame, the edge, all of those kinds of questions that Sarkowski um, wants to foreground with in the early 60s in a whole series of exhibitions that he does at, at, um, at the Museum of Modern Art. And clearly one of the ways, I mean, in many ways I could have ended the book there probably. I could have ended with, um, you know, thinking about other ways to end would be to kind of imagine, you know, think about that moment in 71 because one of the really, I think important things that, or one of the significant things that Sarkowski does in that show is that he does kind of give us Evans as a photographer of the 1930s, that there's, you know, all of the other stuff that Evans was doing well into the 1960s, um, Sarkowski's not interested in so much. I mean, he does, they do show some of the photographs that ended up in Fortune, but never as spreads from Fortune magazine. So he wants to remove everything from the page, which is also, which I haven't said yet, is one of the really important things that I tried to do in the book and that, you know, there's a hundred illustrations in the book and almost every one of them, except for a couple are reproduced as the original kind of page spreads. And I was really committed to reminding us that that's the way Evans's photographs were um, not just, you know, um, received, but that that was part of his project, that he was, he never just thinking about the photograph, it was the photograph in the relation to the page in relation to the caption and all of the different multiple ways in which each book project kind of experiments with different ways to do this. Are the captions next to the photograph? Are they in the back of the book? Are the, what are the actual categories that he's using? And all of that gets kind of disappears in, in the 1971 exhibition. So for me, that moment defines Evans as, you know, the master genius art photographer, the way that Sarkowski wanted him to be defined and kind of sits him very comfortably in that history of at, at MoMA, which I think is, is kind of uh, important to, it is one of, it's, so it's not just postmodernism that gives us a kind of perverted history of documentary, it's also the Museum of Modern Art. But I do wanna say something about the Katz interview as well, because you're right to mention that that is probably one of the most important kind of pieces of writing that we are left with from Evans. Um, and that, I mean, I cite, I cite it several times in the, in the book and it, it, it is so important. And I've actually just reread it. And what I forgot about it is that it's very funny. Evans is very funny at the beginning. He's joking. He's asking him about the tape recorder and he's making all these very funny jokes about recording and tape recording, which I think is really interesting because he is, is a kind of, you know, reference to photography and recording and the kind of device and the fact that he's being recording and the editing that will take place in the interview and redaction and all of this kind of stuff. And I, so it reminded me that one of the things that I always found bizarre about how we read that interview is that we read it so straight when actually there's something kind of humorous about this and that Evans was working very hard um, both to be funny and kind of push back against the kind of seriousness of this endeavor of, 
you know, in the last years of his life, record his kind of history, but that at the same time, he was actually probably trying to make, secure his legacy. And so that he was doing a very good job of that and trying to kind of, you know, bow to those desires to see himself as an artist who makes kind of, you know, trans, he uses the word transcendent several times. Um, and one of the decisions I made in the book, which was very um, purposeful is that I didn't want to use, and I didn't use once in the book, the phrase that everyone uses from that interview, which is that Evans is making work in the documentary style. And I purposely didn't want to go there because I always found that that is, I don't I know, I'm sure this is you know provocative, but I think it's a kind of useless phrase. And I think it's useless because I think the way it's always read or the way I understand it, it's always read is that he's trying to differentiate documentary from art when I actually have, you know, think what he's really doing in that sentence is actually distinguishing documentary from documents. So he has documentary, which is what he does, although he never actually says, this is what I do. Um, and documents, which he says are like the little documents, like the crime scene photograph. And in that way, the that passage is really interesting because actually it is, ex it reminds us of Ache in a certain kind of way. And so it's not about necessarily saying documentary, I wanna make documentary that's artistic. It's about, I wanna make documentary that recognizes its relationship to documents and the difference between those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. um, and that a, a documentary actually has a historical resonance built into it that recognizes um, what a document is. And so in that sense, I think it's not style that's interesting there. It's actually him trying to allow us to see a kind of difference between the document and documentary and that documentary is is somehow historical in a certain kind of way that the document isn't as this kind of pure record um so yeah i think i think that 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 interview is important in that in that kind of way and i guess to follow up or like to kind of think about how it was actually received is interesting as well as you you know you 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 gestured to um other events that were or other exhibitions that were going on in 71 including um Stephen Shore's exhibition at the Met um and sure Stephen Shore is someone who was taking you know definitely responding to American photographs as he says and I feel like he's someone who does read Evans a bit straight in that kind of way that I'm saying that we've kind of read the the Katz interview um he's interested in the Evans that we get in the 70s, 60s and 70s, not the Evans from the 30s. But I didn't double check on this, but I feel like that show that Shore did in 1971 is actually one of his more conceptual shows, not necessarily what his work kind of becomes. And I mm -hmm. don't know if actually that show was he was thinking about Walker Evans at that moment. I'm not exactly sure, I haven't looked back. Whereas I think the Lewis Baltz example is even more complicated um, in the sense that he, yeah, I don't, he's not coming at, you know, Shore still fits into the kind of Sarkowski tradition in the sense that he eventually has a show at the MoMA in 76, a color photography show. And then we get Sarkowski's interested in thinking about color and new color and this kind of stuff. Whereas the Baltz, moment is very different in terms of um, not just Costelli and that putting vaults within a kind of history of maybe minimalism or 
other kinds of artistic practices at that moment, but also um, thinking about the new topographics exhibition in 1975. And so that that would be a history more about Nathan Lyons and the George Eastman house and a whole different set of kind of, if we're thinking about kind of exhibition practices. Um, but I guess the one thing I would say, and I didn't you know, think about vaults in relation to the book, but in terms of where I think some of the issues that I'm interested in thinking about going forward that kind of come out of the book or one of my next projects that I'm trying to think about is to take one of the claims that I make in the book um, about, it's actually comes out of my reading of Let Us Now Praise Famous Men where I try to push back against this idea that that book is really about kind of poverty and its um, journalistic representation. And that really what AG and Evans are investigating is the politics of pro property and the you know, class in relation to the landlord's relationship to the tenant. And the book actually begins with that photograph of a landlord standing there um, with a kind of wrinkled suit against the same clapboard um, architecture that um, the tenant farmers are standing against. And I think that in some way, Baltz's photographs might be part of that history of thinking about uh, landscape property, um, obviously in a very different moment in the 30s, but around those kinds of um, problematics, which is so central to a kind of history of American photography. So yeah, I'm not sure if that yeah. kind of answers your question. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, you you bring a lot of ideas. I really like your your the parallel you put between um, the uh, Evans and Adjier, uh, the on the documentary style. I think it's it's that's that's productive. I think that should be developed in a way uh, because well, to some I mean, extent, you know Molly Nesbitt for that really because it's that it's those first couple pages of her Adjier book that I think so, do such an amazing job of getting us to see mm. that in Ache. And I think Evans, you know, I mean, one of the things that I, 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 I kind of, which I, I think is related to the Cuts thing is I think as Evans is such a good reader of history and of photography, and he does that both in a serious way, but also in a kind of joking way of kind of always wanting to kind of place himself into those histories as well, you know, that he's, right. and I think, that's what he's doing in that Katz interview. And so going, he's playing a kind of a little bit of a game, I think, with the with with Katz and with his reader in that. But yeah, I mean, it's something that I, I think I wish I had drawn out a bit more in the book of like that kind of move from Ache to Evans as being a kind of move from a kind of um yeah, the document that I won't give my name to and a practice that works on a kind of meta kind of critique of that gesture and that that's really what Evans allows us to see in the 30s in a certain kind of way so that we have already several moments you know it's not just the 30s isn't like we have this idea that documentary was invented in the or American documentary was invented in the 1930s and I think that that's maybe a bit problematic <laughs> in a way. Um, and the depression so sent, you know, it's all, it, the depression has to be the thing that shores this up. And I think, um, of course, that is what these, you know, these photographs are records of that moment. But I feel like the histories that we need to write need to exceed that because I think we get so stuck in a 
a certain kind of fetishization of that kind of crisis. And then we don't see that these longer histories are being kind of played out in these, in these photographs as well. Good, yeah, I think probably we have a lot. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. I think we could end there. I think that's a nice place to end. So thank you. Thank you thank for engaging in the book and thank you for being in conversation with me. No. And uh... Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Actually. Okay.